0: If you're looking to up your startup marketing game, you're in the right place. This podcast will help you simplify, prioritize, and see big wins from your marketing efforts. Every week, you'll hear from some of the world's best venture backed startup founders, marketing leaders, and startup experts about marketing, brand growth, what's working well, challenges, and how crazy and fun marketing can be when you're at a high growth startup. See you inside. John is with me today. Romley is the managing director at Product Led and the host of Growth Marketing Today. It's a top 5% podcast. Romley, it's a bit of a different type of person. I don't bring on, I haven't never brought on a product led growth expert onto the show. And I wanted to do this because I think this is a great opportunity to see how, like, to just to talk about high level, like first, what is product-led growth? What does it mean? Why is it gaining traction? And to like really dig deeper then like, what's your expertise on it? And how should startups start like be thinking about it if they are already aren't, right? And so we'll dig into some really interesting questions. I'm, I'm excited to talk about product-led growth as well as the overlap, right? That it has into like marketing and sales. So happy to have you on here.
1: Thank you, and I'm, I'm excited to share my knowledge to all the start marketers and founders who are listening in.
0: Wonderful. And I just want to talk about like a few things about you. You're an author of a book called Eureka. I believe it's coming out very soon and you wrote it together with Wes Bush, who's the author of Product-Led Growth how to build a product that sells itself. And so um, really, the book is about user onboarding and customer activation. So I think we'll touch on that as well during this show. The other thing about you is you're in Canada, which is cool. Canada's great. <laughs> You've got a really cool set of skills. Like You have crossed over from like marketing to design to software development. I just think that's really awesome. That you've dipped your hands into like a bunch of different areas and kind of like have a good grasp to be an expert in, in product led growth. So awesome. Okay, before we start, I always like to give a little blurb about product led or about what you're working on. So, product led is the leading community for product led growth professionals. You basically learn how to grow and build a successful product led business. You get free product led growth fundamental certification as well as live training and companies like Slack, Zoom, Canva, Netflix, Dropbox, HubSpot, are they going through this certification?
1: We have had some people from yeah, from those companies including yeah, Microsoft, Mixpanel, uh, Ubisoft. Yeah, it's it's a big topic. We'll we'll get into why product led growth is something that a lot of companies are taking a look at.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, it's like the larger players, right? It's not just something for startups. It's for the, the larger players, too. There's also a Slack community of 6,500 product-led growth enthusiasts. And that's awesome, too, that there's the ability to connect with like-minded people. Awesome to have you on. And let's, let's go ahead and jump in. Let's first talk high level. Like, for the listeners, what is product-led growth? at a very basic level. We'll get into some deeper stuff, but what is it and how does it fit into the context of marketing and sales?
1: Yeah, I mean, just a high level what product-led growth is. I'll bring up an example. It's a lot easier to do that. I mean, look at product-led growth came from actually the B2C world, the consumer world. A lot of the software apps, they realize, you know, when you're a consumer, you have very low tolerance to pay for stuff, so you trying to you want to try it first. Like people uh, want to try a note taking app first, so that's where you see Evernote or Netflix or Spotify. Where knowing that human customer uh, consumer behavior is really I want to try something first because the riskiest part of the buying experience is I buy it and I don't like it, and now how do I return this? Imagine buying something for Ikea and then now you have to put it back in the package and you have to do all this. Or in the software world, are they going to make me call them? Like imagine, have you ever had to cancel something and they make you call their service to cancel it? It came from the the consumer world and now it's kind of shifting over to the business-to-business world. Where if we look back in history, how it's shifted is first of all… The way to buy software B2B, looking at like big companies like Salesforce and HubSpot, is you need to get out of a phone call, go talk to somebody from sales. They're going to tell you what you need. They're going to tell you exactly the price and you're going to say yes or no. But slowly, the power has shifted from the salesperson now to the buyers. Because they're looking at how they're buying from Spotify and consumer world. And they're saying, why can't I try that software? Why can't I try HubSpot? Why can't I try Salesforce? Why can't I try Slack before I buy it? So just to to reiterate now, it's shifting to this power dynamic now where buyers want to try before they buy. So just to come back to product-led growth, it really is A go-to-market strategy where you're showing value to people before you even get them to make the purchase. So that's the whole idea around it. It's it's not a marketing strategy. It is not a sales strategy. It is a whole complete business strategy where how you think about sales, how you think about product, how you think about marketing, and how you think about customer success… How you think about as a high-level CEO strategy now shifts from how can we make our customer experience so great that when they try it, they're going to want to buy it, but they're not just going to buy it. They're going to keep buying it over and over and over again for the next few months because they can cancel anytime. They don't have a year contract like traditional software sales. They can go on and we want to make the experience so great so that they can stick with us for years to come. And they don't have to but they will because we are making it and uh, we are improving their lives, and that experience is totally valuable. So, I think that's how that's the one thing that I would say around product growth. Once again, is it's not a marketing strategy, it's not a sales strategy, it is a whole company business strategy and shift in org and as well as uh, go to market.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that, like more high level understanding and like, how does it actually fit? How would these teams fit together? It actually starts as like part of your business strategy. So, and so why would you say that product, you did mention that buyers buy differently today. Like, I don't want get, to get on the phone and talk to someone. I actually want to do a lot of that research by myself. I'll get like maybe 80% of the way there, maybe 90, maybe all of the way there. And I never want to talk to anybody. And then I'll buy it. And then I'll kind of like the, I'm a particular type of buyer. (laughs) I just started using Riverside, right? Like there's an example. I didn't talk to anybody. I just bought it. And then, but Riverside, of course, it's like the price point is such that I can do that. I just kind of do it, buy it, figure it out myself. Don't talk to anybody. And if I need to, I'll just chat on the website. So why would you say that product-led growth is so important for, in particular, like, You said it came from B2C, but now B2B companies are starting to implement this. Like, why is it important for SaaS companies um, and other B2B companies? What's happening in the marketplace? Like, what are the real benefits gained from taking this sort of mindset in your business?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can answer why now. And this is whole shift that happened in the last year and a half called the pandemic. And a lot of business started to crunch down their budget and started looking at every single one that they have, that they have signed up a year for and realizing, hey, do we use this tool? How about this one? How about this one? And their budget has shrunk. And any product that is not bringing value is something that they're going to leave and churn out of. There's this realization that signing somebody up for a year contract is great for the year, but if they don't ever touch that product, they're going to churn out. You're going to lose that $10,000, dollars $30,000 contract at the end of the year. So really, this is now, like, it's no longer an option. I think people, like companies that, that we've worked with, like Mixpanel and Microsoft and Ubisoft, these are uh, traditionally, like even Predictive Index, which is this huge company in Boston, they're traditionally enterprise sales driven. They have salespeople Call you have to talk to sales, and they're realizing like this is not like this is not working. Customer acquisition cost is rising. Imagine how many salespeople. How long does it take to close a deal with a sales driven? It can take three to six to nine months a sales cycle with Riverside. How long did it take you? Like when did you sign up for for Riverside, Anna?
0: Just yesterday.
1: <laughs> yesterday, you signed up yesterday, and now you're using it, and you're probably going to pay. In for- That's a Two-day buying cycle compared to sales-driven three to six-month cycle. Think about the cost to the business, customer acquisition costs. A lot lower, usually typically, not just lower cost customer acquisition costs. You see higher retention rates. Just because if you continue to see value in something, you're going to keep using it. Versus if you, they sign you in a year contract. For a lot of companies, and I'm not saying all of them. Once they see sign you in the year contract, they're like, my my job is done. And you can do whatever the heck you want. you don't have to use our tool. you're giving us your money. And that's not the game here with product led companies with uh, where they really, really need to continue delivering value because people don't have a contract and they're easy come easy go. And if you don't uh, give them that value, then they will leave. So just to re- reiterate, lower customer acquisition costs, higher retention rate, and you know budget has shrunk and really like this, this is typically no longer an option. And a lot of bigger companies are going after this. And this is where startups can come in. Like a lot of startups found this here. If you're looking at a, a big company and they're still very sales-driven, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Anna, and all the people who are listening in, it takes two to three years for a sales-driven company to go product-led. Like we've worked with a few product uh, sales-led companies. It takes them that long go eat their lunch right now. Go go launch go lunch that free or freemium or free trial, whatever that is, and start eating their lunch and release that product-led option right now. And you can see tremendous gains and you might even see an acquisition down the road because it's a lot quicker to acquire than actually go from sales-led to product-led.
0: That was going to be a question later on, but like when is the right time to build in product-led growth into your startup? And I think you said... If you are going to go chugging along with, like, the sales-led growth structure, it's going to take you a while to switch that because it's a probably a mindset shift within the company. It's, like, a business strategy shift within the company. So the best time, really, if, like, everybody's around this idea and agreeing and nodding their heads and seeing the value is, like, as soon as possible, probably, Right.
1: For sure, I mean it's really tough. And you said the mind shift, chef. That is the biggest challenge we find, regardless if you're a thirty person startup, which we've seen, like they've they've been sales led for a year, and a six hundred person company where they've been sales led for twenty years. They have one thing in common when they try to transition to product led, is the battle. Like there is this, what is the sales team going to do? Like, are we going to fight them? And just to uh, give a heads up, I'm a firm believer of sales in product led, so I'm I'm not against sales. Right. Uh, we can talk more about that later. But what is the sales going to do? Who's going to do what? What is product going to do? What is marketing now has to shift from, oh, we have to get MQLs, marketing qualified leads to How do we get qualified signups to our product? Because like, just because somebody downloaded an ebook doesn't mean that they're actually interested in the product. How do we get them to sign up and start using our product? Now the marketing mindset has shifted. So really just to reiterate, if you're, if you're early on and you're like, hey, we don't want to hire a bunch of salespeople. And even just having a sales org has a different kind of culture. I would suggest like start thinking about what kind of company do I want to build? Like what is important? Is it customer experience more than this hardcore sales driven approach? What kind of team do I want to have? Because once you have that decision earlier on, the easier it is to stick with the choice you have, whether that's staying product led or transitioning back to from sales led to product led.
0: Okay, we've talked about a lot, and I am definitely in agreement in terms of like the pandemic has caused this shift. I think it was happening before where a lot of buyers just like they own the experience already. Like, how do we sell or market to them the way that they want to buy? I totally agree with you. We just talked about Riverside as one example, but like, what's your thinking around price point? Because it's not how does product led growth change when you're like a hundred, like $10 a month? Versus $25,000 to buy this or a $100,000 product.
1: Typically, you want like a… Let me go back to what sales led. Yeah, you're right. Like a lot of sales like org, they, it's usually like a twenty, thirty, dollars 50000 annual contract. And for product led, yeah, you do need a little bit of lower price point. But what that's this really creates, like you just said, $10 a month, right? Is it creates a, a value ladder. Like a pricing ladder for people to come up on. Some of the best, like the best product-led companies, what they do is to tie their pricing back to a value metric or a usage metric. An example I can really think about is, let's say Slack, right? As your team grows, their pricing grows with you, right? Like, and that really kind of brings back to if we're bringing you value, we will get paid. But if we don't give you value, we won't get paid. So, like, it's, it's kind of tying the success of your pricing of your business to the success of the user. I'm not a full expert on pricing strategy. For people who really want to dig into pricing uh, research, there's somebody named Kyle Poye. He is an operating partner at OpenView. OpenView was the one who coined the term product-led growth. So Kyle, I had a chat with him uh, yesterday, and that guy is amazingly smart about pricing. Uh, If you go to openviewpartners.com and just look at some of his stuff around usage-based pricing, he really does go deeper into it. But just to tie back for product like what success looks like in terms of pricing is if you tie back to the user success and it grows with it, with the user.
0: Awesome. I'll include that link in the show notes because I think that that's a really good point that you brought up. Like who came up with this, right? Somebody came up with this and then some people caught on to it, started you doing it. And then it's actually working really well for these companies. So appreciate you mentioning that. Let's talk about you for a moment. We've been talking about product-led growth, but I want to talk about you. Because you're fascinating. You started your career in software development at Pepsi. How did you get into marketing and growth and product-led growth? Like, What led you to be here today?
1: A few milestones that I guess in my career. I mean, how did I get from developer to marketer and then from marketer to product-led growth? Let's talk about the first shift. I quit and I started a company with my team. That company didn't end up working. And I can… Well, let me tell you what the, the, com- the company is. It's, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. Me and my co-father, we were both dudes who were like, Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we created a Facebook for dead people? And the reason why is Ali's dad uncle just passed away, and he was seeing people uh, like post up uh, condolences, and how, like we are let's crowdsource this this book that people can print out when when people pass away, and when we started building it, and me and him were both programmers at that time, and we we're like, this is. Depressing bro. <laughs> this is super depressing. So like let's pivot. And we pivoted from dead book. And it's like let's go pivot to the other side. Let's let's do it for babies.
0: <laughs> so, Wait it was called dead, dead book?
1: No no that's not. That was not. That was our code name. <laughs> we call it dead book. Because Facebook dead book. So we shifted from dead, from dead book to baby books. Right? Because we saw moms. First moms. Uh, first time uh, with the first child. They, they would spend three to five grand in a year to scrapbook their first child. And they really are spending a lot on that. Created this digital experience. And we were like, okay, let's." we're building it. We we're getting moms to sign up for this. They were crowdsourcing pictures of the babies. And all of a sudden, uh, we both look at each other and like, to grow this, we need to figure out our, our marketing. And we're both single dudes. In a market for moms. (laughs) It's like, what are we doing here? And that's, I think that's when I shifted to like, hey, I have this gap in skill. I want to start a company someday. So I I got into marketing. I really got into blogging, which got me into consulting. People started reaching out to me about blogging. And that got me into head of marketing. And how I got into product-led growth was I was doing marketing consulting. And Wes Bush, who wrote the product-led growth book, we both went to the same school in different year, and he reached out like, "Oh, you're doing some teaching, and also marketing consulting." And we connected through that, and and from there, like we start, started looking into how we can like bring product led growth more into other businesses. And I guess that's how I, I ended up here in with the product led team.
0: Wonderful. That's that makes sense. That's so funny, but that's how you learn. Like you got to do it. That's such a funny idea. I mean, funny, but also not funny, right? Because then you realize just how, how sad the focus on the, you know, that um, that part of the business. All right. Well, so I introduced Product-Led, right? The company. But what did I miss? Did I miss anything? Like, what are you trying to do with Product-Led? There's a community. It's for, for these Product-Led growth professionals. It's learnings. It's like the Slack community. What are you doing with it?
1: We're, in one sense, uh, evangelists for product-led growth. Whenever I wear my PLG hat, uh, which is product-led growth, people are like, what does PLG stand for? And I I dream of a (laughs) day… When you Google PLG and people look at PLG, and they th- they don't think about the PLG, uh, which is this company, if you Google it right now, is actually a company in the stock exchange <laughs> around some kind of polymer or something like that. But like for just people to realize, hey, there's a better way than sales It And I've done marketing. I've led marketing teams in a sales organization. And let me tell you, sometimes it feels like marketing is the cost center. You know, like, we're a sales team servant. You know, hey, just pass us off more SQL or sales qualified lead. And in a product-led world, it's more of, uh, hey, let's work as a team. Customer success, marketing, product, sales together as almost like a marvel avengers <laughs> justice league together to kind of bring value to our customers to bring them delight and i get excited about that when people see their customers get really happy and i guess that's what we're trying to do here is to evangelize that there there is a better way there is the product the product led way or a hybrid approach is at least a marry of the sales and product led together
0: Sounds like you come from that world where marketing is the cost center and marketing is like Let, give me some leads so I can follow up and close the deal but with product led it's a different sort of mentality where like that's not what marketing does right marketing is kind of it's it's again it ties back to the business strategy it ties back to making a very easy clean happy buyer journey right and you're you're sort of like bringing the product in to that experience and making sure that you're thinking of like, how do I make this? How do I make the marketing? How do I make the sales? Like everything needs to tie back to the product, but it doesn't mean like talking about the features, like from a marketing perspective, what change, what, what do you need to do when you're in a product led growth company? What does marketing mean there?
1: That's a Great question, because a lot of people are starting <laughs> trying to figure that out. I mean, there's definitely a huge change in approach and focus. Uh, we just talked about this in, in sales-led sales uh, marketing is very focused on, hey, uh, let's get somebody to download an ebook, MQL. <laughs> let's get somebody to get qualified enough to talk to sales, SQL, <laughs> sales qualified lead, and then uh, book a call, and then things like that. In a product-led uh, company, this marketing is now really thinking about let's look at the whole customer journey and see from the first touch point to when somebody's fully onboarded, like somebody who has experienced the product's value and has gotten to the point where they're not paying with a credit card without talking to anybody. Are there gaps in our messaging? Are there gaps in our product? When we think about ads, is that is that ads positioning us in a way that's driving more something called product qualified lead, which is a lead or somebody who signed up that is actually gaining value from our product. So now marketing is not just driving leads to sales. They're driving people to a point of happiness and joy and to the point that they become a paying customer. So they're closer to revenue than they are with that company because there's this disconnect where marketing is passing up to sales and sales is closing it off. But now marketing is actually closer to driving people to actually, uh, to the revenue of the company, to the success of the company. And the onboarding is the critical point where marketing, product, customer success, and sales kind of work hand-in-hand together to make that first touch experience really magical. Because I really see that as, you know, imagine having, uh, you, it's the first year of your child. Like th- th- Those years are very critical to making sure that, that child is successful. It's the same thing with onboarding. It is the moment where marketing is driving people to realize and know the expectation for the value and product and customer success and sales are all working hand-in-hand together to make sure that that new user is super successful. So just going back to your question, I really think that the the marketing role now shifts at looking at the co-customer experience and driving more product-qualified leads versus traditionally they would just drive people to the sales team.
0: One thing that you mentioned that I, that really resonates with me is the fact that marketing is now part of, like, is is at every touchpoint, right? So you have to work really closely with the tech team. Marketing has to work really closely with the tech team. And I don't think that's happening at some companies. I think that there's still a split where marketing sits with sales, and maybe that's a really tight team. But then there's product over there, and they're building their roadmap. And they're not talking to marketing and sales until they're done. And then they tell marketing and sales, that here's what we built, right? And that's a big problem. And I see that as a huge problem actually, because then you're not use, utilizing like the insights from marketing. Maybe you are talking directly with the users. I don't know, but they do build out that product roadmap and it's almost like separate from the the, the marketing and sales teams. And I don't think that's how it should work.
1: Yeah, I mean just to just to feed off that. Like we haven't seen a successful product led company do it in silo. I always say this it takes a village to build a product led company. Like if you're thinking about hey product led, that's how that's how it needs to go. <laughs> I literally I've not seen like uh, let me give you an example. I talked to the head of customer success at monday.com for our product led podcast and the way that they deliver new features is they have squads. And in that squad, they have a marketer, they have a customer success, a product, an engineer, and somebody from sales. Together, building features. Like, think imagine that there's a cross-functional team delivering new features in that product-led company. And I think they're over 200 or 300. I forget how many people they have, but they're deli- that. This is how they're running because they know that if you don't deliver an amazing, like seamless experience, if you're product-led people are going to try it they're going to leave and they're not going to leave again worse yet they might leave and tell bad things about it to their friends because they have they've had such a poor experience so i'm i'm with you 100% like it needs it needs to be definitely a team sport rather than a solo mi- mission
0: i love that you brought up monday.com as an example and how they're actually structuring that cross functional team that's really cool so i would say maybe product led growth is not for every saas startup Okay, like because every SaaS startup is created differently, uh, mindsets are different. But which ones would you say like absolutely need to start thinking about, start embracing product led growth? You said it takes like two years for turnaround if you're very sales led. Like, what do these startups look like? What are their? What do they offer? and maybe i love that you gave that example for monday.com and how they structure the team but like what else are they doing if you can give any other examples of here's what product-led growth looks like a startup that's successfully doing it
1: yeah i mean in terms of which companies are ideal for product-led growth i think it really depends and i'm going to give you some things that it really depends on i think first of all look at look at your market like are you seeing that your competitors are, are starting to go down market? I mean, for a lot of sales organizations, they're pursuing upmarket, meaning like they're high enterprise, high contract, uh, annual contract value, like between ten dollars to $100,000. Are you seeing there's a gap in the market? Are you seeing startups in the bottom nipping at your feet <laughs> with a lower offer to sales and medium businesses? Because if you don't close that gap, they're going to eat your lunch. And this is something that HubSpot saw where they were traditionally very, very sales-led, high contract value. And they're like, we're seeing smaller marketing CRMs eating our lunch. We need to offer a market to make sure that we have full spread so that there's a, there's a journey or there's a upgrade sequence so that when we acquire a small business, there's only one person, when they grow big to a person company, that they're still using HubSpot throughout that journey. So I think that's the first thing you want to look at, your, your, your space, your market. The other thing you want to look at is your audience. Is your audience, like, are you seeing that the people that you're pursuing, first of all, is the person who are buying the product different from the people who are using it? So an example that, that I can think of is Slack. Slack is a classic example. You can do a sales-driven approach to a uh, chat future for, for companies, right? You can pursue the CTO, the CIO, the CEO. Hey, we will improve your productivity. Cut out email and you're going to send salespeople doing outbound calls to C- the CTO and the CIO or CS- chief chat, all the C-suites. <laughs> You can do it like that. But what Slack did was like, Hey, why are we trying to convince the, the C-suite people when… Let's go in the bottom. The teams, they're the ones struggling with this. Why don't we pursue the end users first? And when 10 of them signs up, then we can send a salesperson to say, Hey, did you know that 10 of your employees are use, using Slack right now? Uh, By the way, if you buy, if you upgrade, you can see what, you know, you can have more control, you can have admin features, all of that stuff. That's a classic approach where it's called a Latin expand strategy where you pursue the end users and then you sell up to the very top, the decision makers. So that's another one. So you can look at your market. You can look at your audience. You can also look at your product. I think that's the last thing you want to talk about is for traditionally, uh, for very complex products, like um, let's say Salesforce, right? When when you first got into when I first got into Salesforce I was I was confused I'm not sure about I'm not sure about you Anna but I was like what is happening here like it's just so confusing that's not gonna work with product like people need to get it they need to get in and you need to try it out like really interesting and get it so what you can think about is is this a small subset of my feature that I can give away for free or as a free trial so people can get and and use value right away. An example I can go back to is with HubSpot. Now, CRMs are complicated. There's like HubSpot is complicated. There's landing pages, emails, social. There's I don't even know what they do now, but they do have support. There's sales. Like they do everything, right? So what they did in the beginning is they offered HubSpot Sidekick. So this is their free entry point, where it's a free plugin. You install it. It a tool for salespeople. Essentially, it'll easily remember uh, the follow-ups and see who has opened your emails. It's an easy, it's a free tool. It's just a free tool. Like that's not even related to their product. So they use that as an entry point instead of like, hey, let's offer let's offer our product free, this complex, because people are not going to get that. Instead, they focus on one small feature subset that their customers are looking. I mean, so just to, to I mean, wrap up just uh, with your question around when when is it, what kind of companies need to take a look at product lead? Take a look at your market. Are you seeing competitors pursuing and chasing your foot? Take a look at your audience or is your decision maker, is the decision maker different from the end users? In that case, there might be an opportunity to chase the end users. And finally, take a look at your product. Is there something there that you can like kind of do a subset feature on where you can really focus people to uh to try it out before they even buy? It?
0: I know you just wrote a book. You know how I know? I know because you are summing up. You're speaking the way that people like want to read or listen to information. So I know you just wrote a book, (laughs) which we'll talk about. But awesome. Great, great, great learnings I'm getting from you all around this like product-led growth uh, trend and also like how how companies are becoming really successful, like what mindset they need to have, what and where to start figuring out if that, if it's right for your startup, what would you say are the top couple, two or three things that companies, startups get wrong with product-led growth? Like what are they doing wrong? They, they have good intentions as all of us do, right? They've learned a bunch. They're like, yeah, this sounds awesome. This sounds powerful. We want to build our company around this. Where do they struggle and what's your advice?
1: Right. I think the first one, first mistake. They see the term product-led growth and think it's the product's job. <laughs> the product team's job. It's just, it's it's a, a misnomer to say, hey, product-led growth, it's a product team's job. Please, please, let me go back. And I, I talked to somebody from Jebit, uh, the CEO of Jebit. They just went, it's like this quiz tool. What he did, and I was like, Tom, you, you're, you did the best practice here. What he did, he created a squad. He created a small team with the product, and marketing, and an engineer to offer this free plugin that people can use to plug in their a quiz into a Shopify store. So with that, now they go cover the whole funnel from the marketing from the very first touch point, and to the product where they people actually experience the product. And there's an engineer to obviously build it out. So that's I think that's the first mistake that I that I often see is it's a product team and that's it. The second thing I, I think people miss out is, hey, let's just offer a free or freemium trial. That's that's what product-led growth means. Is it just have a free. And just because you're offering a free trial or freemium doesn't mean you're product-led. And what I mean by that is, are people actually experiencing the value of your product? If people get there, they sign up, they get lost, they leave, and 100% of your people, the people who sign up leave… You're not product line. <laughs> Meaning that like you need to be thinking about how do I drive people to an experience to actually, hey, I get it and I'm ready to buy it. And that's, if they can purchase it without talking to sales, that's the end goal. But can they get it? And maybe at this moment, you, they, you don't have that credit card function. They get the product and are they willing to now talk to sales even further? I think that's the first test. And this is something that that Tom from Jebit did, the first test they found, the success milestone was, typically they have three to six months they sell to like big companies like Nestle, Disney, and, and Netflix to do this quiz thing. Three to six months cycle. One day, somebody signs up on a Saturday. They fill out a form to talk to sales. They spend 20 hours building out a quiz. They plug it into their website. And then by Monday, they close a $10,000 a month contract in three days and the point the point there is that sure they still needed to talk to sales to close the deal but they spent 20 to 30 hours trying out the tool and that is closer to product led than it is if they didn't actually get to experience the value i think i would go with those two things would be yeah (laughs) once again (laughs) to summarize first is hey it's a product team's job and secondly just because you have a freemium free trial does not mean that you're being proud. The, the question is, are your users, are the people who are getting in there actually experiencing and getting to your product's value? And if they're not, then that's something that your the whole team needs to work on.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'll savor this advice and not fall into these traps because of you. Thank you for spreading that message. And I actually have heard of like, freemium floating around. And I am always curious, like, well, does, does how, what's the difference product led growth freemium? Is that all there is, but I've learned so much from you. Clearly that's not all there is. Like if you're freemium, you're not product led. If you're, it's the other way around, right? If you're a product led growth minded company, then you have a freemium product. Not, just, right, not necessarily.
1: Actually, there's other models that you can have for for product led. Um, there's fr- well, let me show you some. There's the freemium where it's free. it's free forever, and then they pay after they hit a wall, like Canva, which is this uh, online design tool. Another uh, a model, product led model, is free trial. So there's a 14 day trial, or after they use the product X number of times, then they end up hitting a wall. Another model that I've seen, and this is not, it's not the most ideal. It's called a sandbox model, where if you look at Amplitude.com, where you sign up, but you're seeing not your data, another, it's fake data. And you're seeing there and you're able to play around and they customize it based on the question they ask upfront: What kind of company are you? E-commerce, are you SaaS, are you enterprise? And they kind of create this sandbox experience based on that. I mean, and then there's hybrid approach where some people have free trial and after the free trial ends, it becomes freemium. And then there's freemium. And then after a certain point, you could free trial <laughs> the freemium, the, the free trial of uh, premium features. And then there's a sandbox to a free trial. So, I mean, there's different ways. It just goes back to the point, hey, can people see value before they pay for it? And if is there ways to to do that very, very early on um, before they even pay for it? And that's, I think, driving to the point that product-led is about getting people to experience a product and really driving a better customer experience than it is to, hey, you need to talk to sales right be- right before you-, you actually purchase a product.
0: I just had an aha moment of how this is similar to marketing and how I think about marketing. With marketing, I fully believe that for, for me, for my business, for startups, what you need to do with your marketing is provide value and give Give so much, right? Like you're giving your, a lot of expertise away, hopefully building playbooks. Like this is something I do for my own company so that people get value before they work with you. That is just fundamental. Like you need to do that if you're going to be good at at marketing and, and sales, especially now, like you need to give and help educate and help your buyer figure stuff out that they want to figure out. Like they're having a problem. They want to figure stuff out. So help them. And it doesn't have to be necessarily where you're like exchanging money yet, right? So I'm a big believer in that. You're
1: a product-led marketer.
0: (laughs) I'm a product-led marketer. Okay, great. I'll update my LinkedIn profile. Perfect. Um, um, So let's, you've had some really nice success. You help product-led SaaS companies look at their whole customer journey and funnel and like figure out what are some what are the growth opportunities to like two to three times their monthly recurring revenue so i'm curious like what does that look like you're analyzing something right like what are you analyzing within this journey what are you seeing and how do you identify like th- these are your growth opportunities
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, I can give an example with a company that we work with, Snapa. Snapa is this online graphics tool that's very similar to Canva. And the first thing that I would suggest, and I think it's 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 three steps, right? The first step is the way to look at the experience is put yourself in the shoes of your uh, first-time user or, or customer or somebody who visits your uh, website. And write down, and usually if this isn't in person, we would use Post-it notes. So you put that in Post-it notes, every single page, every single button click, every single field that they have to fill out from the first touch all the way to the point that they've experienced the product's value. And we would put that in sticky notes on the wall. Uh, If it's now with 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 what's happening in the world, you can do that with Miro or Trello, whatever it is. Once you put that down, you're like, oh my goodness. One of the companies we work with, it was 87 steps. 17 thing, different things that a user has to do to get to the product's value and and they were like they didn't realize this because the, here's the problem is when the product's building stuff and the marketing is doing stuff and the customer says doing stuff you don't realize <laughs> the strength that you're that you realize how long the, the customer journey becomes. So then, the next step once you have this map is like, oh my goodness, we have so many steps. What do we do? So we, we, what we Wes and I usually do is we give them markers. So there's red, yellow, and green. So the first one is is red. Red means like, is this step, this field, this button, the screen, not necessary for somebody to experience the value of the product. And if it's not, red means get rid of it. <laughs> The second one is uh, yellow. And yellow means you should delay it after the customer… After the the, experience the product's value. And this could be customizing the name or the color or whatever it is. Because really first time experience, very critical. If they sign up, they don't like it, they leave, they won't come back. (laughs) So that's yellow. And the last one is green. Green means that it is mission critical for people to experience a a product's value. And from there, usually it's a cross-functional team. They would do it solo and then they come together and kind of debate which one's actually critical. We tell them to look at analytics out of that steps. Where are people actually dropping off in terms of like people leaving? Is it one field? Is it one page? And for that company that we work with, the biggest gap we found is something that we see a lot of companies do. is When you sign up for something, you see a screen that says, Anna, go to your inbox and verify your email. That is so annoying. And especially for online graphics tools, where think about like when you're thinking about designing something, you're on the spot there and you need to design it right now. you maybe you're a marketer who's trying to design an image for a Facebook ad. Maybe you're a business owner that's trying to create a flyer for their business, for their coffee shop. Or maybe you're a teacher that's trying to create slides that they need to teach their students tomorrow. So there's an instantaneous effect there, and if they hit a wall, they're gonna be like, "See ya, I'ma find another tool." So what we did, hey, we told we told Chris, uh, Christopher, the CEO at Snap, I say, "Hey, we're seeing 39% of users drop off here, and we would suggest we cut it off." I, and we we understand, Chris, that you're scared about spam, but let's just do this little experiment here, and we'll do an A/B test between the two of them and see if there's an improvement. We ran it for like one or two months. And what we saw was the one that had removed that, they saw like 40% more people reach the product's value and their MRR growth rate was like 20% even higher than the other, the one that had it. And really goes back to that point when people see the product's value and they see it over and over again. Those people are more qualified and more likely to pay for your product than somebody who just sees it and leaves right away it's so obvious but when somebody says it to you hey people need to try your product and see they value before they pay for it let's get them to experiencing that first to really drive home that point so i think just that experience right there shows that hey people don't realize how they and anna you were like 87 steps how is that possible and trust me if you look at a bunch of SaaS tools right now if they did this exercise I bet you from our experience, 30 to 40% of the steps there was just added because they weren't realizing how long it is. Oh, it's just its just one field. It's just one button. It's just another screen. And then it slowly builds up and all of a sudden you got this bloated experience that is confusing. And, and somebody, your team, really, people's team really needs to go down and break it down to see, dang, we, we got 87 steps here and, and we need to fix this.
0: Yeah, you don't want to turn into Salesforce, right? Where (laughs) I'm not trying to speak anything badly, right? Salesforce is in all SaaS startups, right? But the experience is not something that you think of, like okay, let's look at let's look at Salesforce experience and like try to mimic that because that's a that's a good one. Like it actually is difficult playing around in there and making it useful for your needs. So. Thank you for that. I wanted to ask you about your book, Eureka. Why did you decide to write it? What's in there? Uh, I want people to know about it, right? In case they want to dive a bit deeper into your knowledge, into your expertise.
1: Yeah, I mean, the book is just all about uh, how to improve that first touch of the first experience of a user or the onboarding experience for a first user. And I've been going at it now for the last like 30 to 40 minutes, how important that first experience is. Because if, if people don't realize the product's value right in the get-go, especially if you're a product-led, you're thinking about product-led, you're not going to succeed. I mean, I have data to prove that it, like onboarding results in uh, higher retention, like good onboarding results in higher retention rates, lower CAC, and uh, revenue multiply. It's a revenue multiplier as well. And it's a really critical point that people, a lot of companies often forget. Like it's often like, I call it the ugly duckling of growth because marketing is doing getting leads and signups, product is building new features, and sales are trying to close things. And people don't realize, hey, what about this middle piece, this middle ground where it's so critical because it's like the hatch that it's where uh, new it's where new users are hatched and, and cultivated, right? And if you don't get that right, it's grown. So I mean, Eureka is just the six step framework that that we've seen over and over again at at product led. Where we go through six steps from establishing an onboarding team. I've already talked about how critical it is to have a cross-functional team, to understanding your users, to refining what success looks like for your onboarding, to like what we talked about just now, to like evaluating and like optimizing your customer experience, to adding stuff like welcome messages and product tours, and finally to making sure that you're analyzed and repeated over and over again. It's coming out June eleventh. We're having a book launch, and if this comes out uh, after then, then it'll it'll be out already. Feel free to get it, but it's available at EurekaBook.co, and that should redirect you to the right page or resource. Once again, it's EurekaBook.co.
0: Great, I'll add that in the show notes as well. I love it. I love it. I have learned so much from you today, Romley. I am so glad to like bring this lens. To the show, because we talk a lot about marketing. I talk a lot about marketing with startups. I talk a lot about maybe some sales related conversation, but I felt like this was missing. And I felt like this is something that's really relevant, whether you are a product led growth startup um, or you're not. This is something you just can't, you just can't ignore. So that is why I'm so happy to have had you on. If anybody wants to reach Romley, you can find him on LinkedIn, Romley John. And to find out more about Product Lead, you can visit productled.com. And I will also include some other links that were mentioned by Romley in the show. So Romley, thank you for bringing your product-led growth expertise to the show. It was such a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Anna. Appreciate the invitation.
0: listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, YouTube, search for Firminov Marketing Consulting, or go to my website, firmanovmarketing.com.